Welcome everyone. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter yesterday. And what we're seeing was a continuation, still a lot of concern over inflation in the economy. And we're seeing that broadly in a lot of different places. The thing that stood out to me most was the juxtaposition of two quotes during the week. One was from Restoration Hardware's CEO, which talked about Fed policy and asking kind of like, is the Fed listening to anybody? Have they picked up the phone and talked to anybody and asked them what they're seeing in inflation? And just kind of suggesting that the Fed is a little out of touch on this. And then the second quote that came right after it was from uh, a Fed member who talked about the Fed is on top of this, seems that there's inflation, that's bad inflation. And the justification for the inflation was like the greatest Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake moment I've ever seen, where he said, I was talking to a contact and he was saying that golf club, do, golf club dues are rising at a rapid rate and that he may have to play his local municipal golf course going forward. So I guess that's what really gets the Fed's attention is when golf dues are rising. That's what I learned this week. What do you think, Eric? That was a bit funny. I was expecting him to say like contacts, maybe in grocery stores where normal people are shopping. But then again, like his source of information is a golf club where maybe he plays or something like that. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, but it's also, it's, at least it's good that they're noticing that there's inflation. Not, but it surprises us though. Like they say they're data driven, yet they have, what they have is an anecdote sometimes. Uh, but it worries me. It worries me a lot that uh, across board, a lot of prices are rising. RH, I think the restoration earnings call was one of the one of the most candid ones you could find. They were very honest that prices are rising everywhere. They also say that uh, companies are having to choose between raising prices or reducing the quality of the products. And a couple of times I've gone to the store this week, I've seen the sizes of the products have reduced drastically. If they're maintaining the same price, all the price has actually gone up. Anything else you might have noticed yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think the supply chain stuff still not getting too much better. I, I do feel like we are seeing people starting to say the first half it's bad and uh, hoping the second half of the year is going to get better. That's better than it has been in the past, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think maybe most executives are trying to be more optimistic for the second half of the year, but I noticed this also last year. They try, even if the near term is a bit challenged, they always try to be a bit optimistic in medium to long term. So I think maybe that's why they're lifting up their eyes and hoping at least a situation in Ukraine gets resolved as quickly as possible so that things can come back to a bit normal. But I, I think it's it's a challenging environment for most CEOs to be operating in. So something that stood out for me was, of course, the something we've been tracking for a while about uh, subscription-based model versus advertising models. So very interesting to see uh, the quote from Chicken Soup for the Soul saying that SVOD, which is subscription-based uh, growth, is slowing down and China is rising. And because of that, then companies are having to actually really explore the issue of advertising-based tiers. Any thoughts on that yourself? Yeah, I think this is something we've been covering a lot for the last few weeks and a lot has gone on here. I think we have noticed this trend towards probably having a more ad-supported model for a lot of the different video content players. And then last week, we didn't have a podcast that YouTube announced that they were going to be putting more content on the YouTube platform, which I think is hundred pound gorilla just coming through. I think that's huge. If YouTube is putting this uh, content on you and I had talked a lot about like, okay, we see this trend, but not exactly sure who's going to benefit from it, how they're going to benefit. Chicken soup from the soul was super interesting. I didn't realize that this is a, like a micro cap company 
that has a semi-viable advertising based platform. And then, you know, I think Roku is another one that could potentially benefit from this, but both of them could potentially be fighting YouTube on one side for all of these content licenses. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to shake out, but it certainly seems like if Netflix offered an ad supported model, if Hulu offered an ad supported model, which Hulu does consider being a patron of it, but the, the entree to the website too, of like coming in, it's totally free. You don't need to log in you're just clicking immediately that YouTube like experience is pretty compelling. So. I, don't know. I mean, I think chicken soup for the soul, long story short, you know, it's a hundred million dollar uh, market cap. It may be worth a flyer here. Yeah, sure. I think so. Uh, but I think also a big win that if they choose this model, uh, I mean, they don't need to offer an exclusive ad-based model. It could be like a combined model where they offer, for those who don't want any ads at all, you have your premium tier and then you have the ad-based tier for everyone else who wants to be there a couple of times and enjoy ads at the same time during the break. Instead of posting, then you can have like ads or something like that. So I think uh, Netflix might find themselves at some point. I was actually reading the earnings call. Uh, the last earnings call, they were asked about the same question. And the response was that we, I think to quote the CEO, he says that it's not like we have a religion against advertising, to be clear. But if at some point, because maybe of consumer experience, customer, consumer choice, and what's great for creators and storytellers, if we determine that we have the right kind of player within the space and it meets those dimensions, then we'll cons that's something that we will, we can put in our plans, but not right now. So I, I, I think to add to that, there are some pretty strong net headwinds to Netflix growth, that I keep hearing not only in earnings calls around different companies that we're listening to, but I'm also hearing it just anecdotally from friends and family and people who are you know, thinking about changing their Netflix subscription or, you know, dropping some of these SBOD subscriptions. The fact that churn is going up, it's a, it's a real headwind potentially for these stocks that for Netflix, especially they could overhang for a bit. So if you're a Netflix shareholder, this could be a decent time to be trimming. Yep, definitely. Because this is a time when they're really considering the business model. There was an article, I think, I don't know if it's New York Times this week that said that they the, the CEOs emphasize twice to, to, to the employees that they need to pay attention to the bottom line. So I guess when you hear that issue, it's when the growth has kind of stalled a little bit. So then like you need to cut down on costs to maintain margins or at least to grow them for a little while as you rethink the model. These sorts of anecdotes are the things that like big earnings misses are made of. Like I could totally see next quarter, we have Netflix down. 20% on the day that they report earnings because they missed subscriber numbers. Like this is, this is something that, uh, people should be paying attention to, I think. On the other hand, there's something that I've also noted that Nike reported earnings a couple of weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, and then surprisingly Indian, which, which is a payments platform, noticed something about, uh, which I also noted about, about Nike, uh, they. Now, I think 40% of their revenues are generated from DTC commerce, which is very interesting, meaning that, and this is a trend that ADN peaked where they're saying that a lot of manufacturers and a lot of companies are deciding to own the customer and consumer, the direct relationship with the customer without having an intermediary at the end of the day. So you don't want to pay the toll to access the consumers. You want to own it directly so that you can max out your earnings, uh, so to speak. So it's a, it's a common trend that would be 
very interesting to pay attention to in the markets. Anything that you want to add there? Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that is one of those big glacial trends that we're probably like the third or fourth inning, if not even farther along. But it's just one of those things the internet has fundamentally changed. And I totally agree with you. This was a big quote last week that we didn't get a chance to podcast about. But the fact that Nike is withdrawing, I think they said 40% of their wholesale channels where they were selling their, their merchandise. It's just hard to be a boutique that sells a lot of different brands anymore. The brand is direct to consumer. It's just so easy to today get a direct response from a consumer on the internet or develop a relationship directly with your audience. That especially if you're a big brand like Nike, it's higher margin to, you know, cut out the middleman or not have somebody in the middle and just fulfill direct to consumer. Um, so that's an important trend. Yeah, I think that's a very important one to keep track of. Before we close, there's that quote by Eric Schmidt. I, I posted it on Twitter and it got a lot of traction about Google being early on social media, but missing out entirely. <laughs> that was, I mean, uh, I made a joke that if Google had succeeded, it would be on Google Plus now and not Zookverse. Any thoughts on that? Especially from your perspective in the US, what made Google fail so miserably at social media? I don't know. It's a good question. I wasn't really framing it in my head as what made Google fail. More just like, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Eric Schmidt as a CEO. I think he was excellent at Google and built like a complete juggernaut. And even though he's, he bemoans missing social media, like Google is the best positioned out of any of the tech companies today, probably, especially with this, with the changes that Apple made for privacy that are hitting Facebook. Google is completely immune to it because search is such an important pillar of the internet. And then not only do they have search, they also have YouTube, which I think they bought YouTube for like a billion dollars or something back in the day, which is like, again, just like when we were talking about this ABOD, no one's going to compete against YouTube if YouTube wants to go into the, into this, into this market. And so why did they fail at social? I'm not exactly sure, but the bigger actually part of the quote that struck me was Eric Schmidt going, if you had told me how big Google was going to get, I, would, I wouldn't have believed you, basically. That he was, is as surprised as anybody. And it just reminds me that like, even when you're in the pilot seat of an organization that's going to be maybe the defining organization of the information technology era, it's hard to see. It's hard to see that exponential growth curve. It's true also, and, that, and that, that applies also even to a small organization here, the transcript, you're actually hitting one year in a month's time and the growth has been incredible for us even uh, on the premium subscription side. So it's pretty interesting, uh, those quotes that we saw there. So I think that's a good point to close out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. I'll uh, see you again next week for another episode as we gear up for ending season. Thank you and bye. Thank you.